You're listening to Culture Rich. Culture Rich. Welcome, I'm Christina Michelle, inviting you to join me for Culture Rich Conversations, an ongoing feature of Juno Afternoon. How can a teenage girl go missing without anyone noticing? This is the main question in the third Banned Books by Black Authors episode today. Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson tells the gripping story of two best friends growing up in Washington, D.C. When one goes missing and no one notices, it makes the other question everything she believes about the world around her. I'm joined by Angelica Fields Morgan and Desiree Jones, avid readers eager to unpack the themes of this thriller that shines a light on real life issues like missing children of color, mental health, gentrification, and more. From KTOO and Juno, this is Culture Rich Conversations. Culture Rich Conversations is underwritten by Mark Stofa and Sarah Hannon, celebrating Juno's diversity of culture, language, and heritage. The Black Awareness Association would like to take a moment to recognize that Culture Rich Conversations is broadcast from Flinket Ani. We acknowledge those families who made use of this land and waterways for thousands of years and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and future generations. Gunalschish, thank you. I'm Christina Michelle. My guests today are my new friends, Angelica and Desiree. I recently met these dynamic ladies in a reading group for Black women on Facebook, and I'm very excited that they're as passionate about this book as I am. Get ready for a transformative conversation today. So let's start by getting to know our guest a little bit. Angelica, joining us from Byram, Byram, Mississippi, can you share a little about yourself (laughs) and what lights you up about the topic of banned books? by Black authors. Hi, guys. Um, As Christina said, I'm from, well, living in Byron, Mississippi, but a long, a long time Mississippi resident Um, here near the capital city, grew up in another city and also on the coast between um, Gulf Coast and New Orleans. So been exposed to a lot of different cultures, but however, the deep south is the deep south. Um, I own a business, married, two children, graduate of an HBCU, and still have some more schooling ahead of me, um, applying out for medical school. So that sums me up. (laughs) However, this topic is I'm very, very passionate about because our Black girls and our Black women are missing. They're going missing at a very, very high high rate um in this country and some seem to have vanished in thin air and it does not get the attention that it deserves and so i'm very very excited to dive deep into this conversation about monday's not done thank you so much angelica and desiree if you can also share where you're joining us from and why you are passionate about the topic of banned books by black authors Okay. Hi, I'm Desiree. Um, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now, but I'm from Kansas City, Kansas. Um, And I'm just very passionate about banned books because, I mean, there was a time in our culture that we couldn't even read books. Um, So I just think it's, we just need to shed a light on 
our culture really being excited and passionate about reading, as well as um, them trying to erase our history. I think that's a big thing as well. So um, on the topic of banned books, I really think we just need to push those because there's so much of our history trying to be rewritten or just washed out of history uh, alone itself. So that's why I'm passionate about it. Thank you so much. Well, to give some context around this subject, every year, many books get banned in school districts and public libraries around the country. Of course, they are not all written by Black authors, but our conversation today is focused around the ones that are. Bans are usually requested by a concerned parent or community member with reasons ranging from reference to drugs, mature language, explicit sexual content, violence, or a subject matter believed to be too mature for the age of the students reading it. However, these opinions are subjective and often result in the ban of a book that could have enriched the lives and broadened the perspective of its readers. In your opinion, ladies, is banning books a form of protection for our children or a form of censorship for Americans? Absolutely a censorship. 100% without a doubt is censorship because if it was protection, that speaks totally against the First Amendment right to freedom of speech. So if you don't want America to contradict itself, which it often does all the time, we have to say that for no other reason, it's, it's just clear censorship just to keep our stories or, and not necessarily our stories, because like you said, they're not all Black authors, but it's something that they don't want us to have. And unfortunately, America has a history of um, kind of picking and choosing what they want the public to know. Well, according to everylibrary.org, people of color and members of the LGBTQIA plus community have significantly affected, I'm sorry, have been significantly affected by book challenges as books about them are disproportionately challenged. Literature featuring people of color continues to be censored even when the subject matter doesn't directly relate to current issues. Would you agree with this statement? One thousand percent. I seen the last told. <laughs> definitely, definitely agree. No lies told. <laughs> Well, if you're just joining us, I'm Christina Michelle. I'm joined by Angelica from the Deep South in Mississippi and Desiree from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we're discussing banned books by Black authors. Today's book is Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson. So let's get into it with a little background on the novel Monday's Not Coming. So this book was written by Tiffany D. Jackson, best-selling author of young adult novels, Monday's Not Coming, Allegedly, Let Me Hear a Rhyme, Grown, White Smoke, Santa in the City, and The Weight of Blood. She is a Brooklyn, New York native and NAACP Image Award nominee. So in your own words, can you tell me what is Monday's Not Coming about? And Desiree, I'll let you start. Alrighty. Um, so I'll try to give a little bit about the book without giving it away for listeners that may um, may want to read it or get interested in reading it after listening to this show. Um, so basically, it's about a young girl um, who's best friends with another young girl. They're very, very close. 
Um, but one one young girl has a very significant different life than her best friend. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't make them not be friends anymore. It kind of draws them even closer to each other. And basically the book just surrounds um the girl that's not going through like those home disadvantages. It basically just surrounds her trying to really be present for her friend and help her friend um while she's going through these challenges but then in the in the middle of that something very traumatic happens to her friend and she's just trying to figure out and cope with it emotionally um uh, I really don't want to go any more into it because I feel like it's going to give it away but definitely that's the main that's like the main I, I don't know. You can you can, you can in, say, uh, Angelica. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing that I would say is just that, yeah, the traumatic experience he's trying to deal with, and it's centered around the best friend going missing, um, apparently without a trace. However, there but there are many. Let's say there are many different answers to her location. Um, however, you know, the best friend is, you know, saying it's out of character, it's out of character for her, but there are a lot of, you know, locations where the best friend, um, is supposedly it. And just the unraveling of, you know, trying to locate try, a young girl, trying to balance friendship, um, mm-hmm. you know, why would my friend do this? Um, why wouldn't I know? And also dealing with mental health and mm-hmm. how we're treated, just um, you know, how a lot of young black girls are treated um for one when they're missing, but also black women when we make complaints yeah. to people in authority. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Um, And we'll get more into that a little bit later. A Monday's Not Coming has been banned in many middle schools and high schools from Santa Barbara, California to Catawba County, North Carolina. According to NBCNews.com, it was banned due to explicit language about sex. I was really surprised to read this because anyone who's read this book would know that sex was not a main theme and any encounters that did occur were not glorified. They were the byproduct of emotional stress, peer pressure and the confusion that comes with puberty and just early encounters with your body. So why do you think this particular book was banned outside of the stated reason? Because when I said it was banned for (laughs) sex, I saw the looks on your faces and it looks like you guys are as surprised as I was. I'm going to start off with saying I think it was banned because it was too realistic. Um, They could have just said the sex thing just to make something up because all three of us have read the book and I can't recall one (laughs) sex scene or one paragraph that it was referring to sex whatsoever. I just think this book Society has an issue with accepting reality. Like they want to like dangle reality in our face a little bit, but 
they want to do it on their accord, mm-hmm. you know, with like these move with like these mm-hmm. movies about these viruses and this, that, and the third. And then, oh my gosh, here we here we have a pandemic that we were going through for three years. If you trace that back, there were movies per- pertaining to this same situation that they threw in our face and nobody took it, nobody took it serious. So with this book, it's the same thing. We they put it out. Well, she as a black woman, put it out there like, hey, this is what's going on with our black children. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you know, like they they almost can't believe it. But it's like, no, this is reality. You guys, you guys have to accept reality. So I just I think that's why it's banned is because it's just almost too realistic for for certain people. If I may chime in. Of course. (laughs) Great points. That's right. And I don't disagree with not a one, but to sum it up, why was the book banned outside of sex? It was, and we're going to go with the excuse that sex was the the main reason. Just like, um, we're just going to run with the truth also, with America's truth also, that um, the Civil War wasn't fought about slavery. If we're we're just Mm -hmm. going to put it out there. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the truth. America, you know, it's always about economics. That's what it was. It was about economics and, um, you know, not letting other states tell, you know, the South what to do or this, that, and the third. No, slavery had nothing to do with it. So we're just going to run with that truth while we're going to run with the truth of Monday's Not Coming was banned. It, you know, it was banned only for sex. That's all. That's that's the only reason. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Angelica, your husband is in uh, part of the school district uh, where you live. Is that correct? Yes, he is a band director. And do you know if... First band director, uh, first black band director, I will say that at, at that school. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. In 2023. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all doing a happy jig over here. Um, do you know if the book is banned in your local school district? It absolutely positively is. Okay. Absolutely. How do you, how do you know that? How can you check into that? <laughs> well, we actually, we have a site. My, I was actually telling my husband about the podcast and he looked the book up. He was like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's on the ban list. That, that's on the list. <laughs> And we actually was able to look up everywhere. I stay outside at like Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm sure you guys are familiar. We've been in the news all the time. The Jackson, Mississippi is the metro area. So I'm not in the city in another, you know, little town outside of it. However, it covers several school districts, several little cities. And we were able to pull up anywhere in Metro Jackson um, that had the books in the library. And no, no, no public school districts um, had the book um, and also confirm it oh. with my husband because he has access to things I don't have access to. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's absolutely on the on the list. Well, I did hmm. a little research. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I'm happy to report that it is not banned here in Juneau. It's not part of the catalog at uh, Santa Kahini or Floyd Dryden, which are our middle schools. And that's understandable. But I did find it in JDHS and Thunder Mountain High Schools and uh, libraries. And it's actually checked out at JDHS. So I did a little happy jig for that, too. Um, And then the audio version is available at our public library. 
So let's get into the content of the book. Now, this is going to be a spoiler alert for those who haven't read it, um, because we probably will share some key points that make the story so suspenseful. But it's still worth reading because nothing we say can give you the full picture of this beautifully layered story other than reading it for yourself. I have a clip of some thoughts from the author, Tiffany D. Jackson, about why she wrote this book and what she wants us to get out of it. Let's hear what she has to say. When white girls go missing, they're all over the news. They're on Good Morning America. Their story is front page everywhere. But when black kids go missing, it's like we don't actually, we're not human. We get, you know, a paragraph on page five. I thought that that was something I really wanted to sort of touch upon, the actual biases in media and biases within the world as well, too. The inspiration for Monday's Not Coming actually was loosely inspired by two cases, one that happened in Washington, D.C. of missing girls and another that happened in Detroit, Michigan of two missing siblings. But the biggest inspiration for this story actually came from experience I had with my best friend. Tata sprained her ankle and she was out of school for about two weeks. And that was actually the moment I realized that I didn't have any friends but Tara. And so when your like whole world is missing and like you're missing your person, it plagues you. That feeling of, you know, missing a huge part of you just really rang with me. And I kept thinking about when children go missing, what do their best friends do? Like, how do they function? How do they survive? I'm notorious for doing a lot of research for these type of books, particularly because they're loosely based on uh, real life cases. Um, so a lot of times I have to talk to lawyers and doctors and social workers to get sort of the meat in the background of a story. Besides um, the biggest theme of the book being missing children, particularly missing children of color, there's also other themes like gentrification, which really talks about your neighborhood, your culture being sort of eradicated in this like whirlwind of other cultures coming in. And I think that's really important to really sort of dive into and dive into how it's actually affecting the people of color that are living there in these communities. Knowing how beautiful community can be, no matter where it's placed, no matter the situation that's happening, and no matter if, you know, you may not have a dollar to your name, but you have community, you have a barbecue, you have parties, you have music, you have friends and family. And that's something that people always forget that community is such like a home and you build a village around that. Another theme that's in the story also talks about the idea of mental health. Sometimes you really do need um, medical advice on how to make it through a traumatic experience. I hate for readers to be spoon fed these lessons. I really want readers to really step in the shoes of the characters and kind of understand what they're going through and understand you know, some of the pain and empathize with that. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I write books like this, like things that are kind of ripped from the headlines because these are actually happening to real kids and kids should know that bad things do happen to one another and peers and that they're really the biggest way to change that, to change these type of narratives is kids like actually stepping up and, you know, speaking up too. I'm hoping after you readers do after you read this book is to start asking questions, particularly to adults and raise flags about, you know, have we really delved into missing children? 
That was a message from Tiffany D. Jackson, the author of Monday's Not Coming, which is the book that we are uh, talking about today as part of our Banned Books by Black Authors uh, series. And we are very grateful to EpicReads.com for giving us the permission to uh, to air that message from Tiffany. All right. So let's talk about the significance of the title, Monday's Not Coming. Why do you think that she chose this title? I think she chose it because it's kind of like a little, it's kind of like a play on words a little bit. Um, Because, you know, they say, you know how people that work full time, you know, Monday through Friday, we, we always say Monday comes too quick. You know, that's that's a saying that everybody says, like, oh, Monday came by too quick, you know. So with the with the girl's name being Monday, you know, and then for her to, like, go missing and how she goes missing with the whole book, Monday's not coming. It almost you're almost on the edge of your seat, the whole the whole book, because. I don't know. I'm I'm a super avid reader. So I I pay attention to titles and things like that. So that's why I was on the edge of my seat the entire time I was reading it. Because I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Because I think the the title keeps you engaged. Like, I don't think many, many people understand why authors choose the titles they do because this title alone held so much significance mm. that it the title itself keeps mm. wrapped. Well and said. I definitely think it's it was just like heavy. a major play on words, seriously. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's definitely heavy, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. That is a weighted, loaded title. Loaded. And again, not to give it away, but I mean... <laughs> Tiffany, kudos. Kudos. For sure. Yeah. That is that was Monday's Not Coming is a very loaded statement for a title. Yeah. How would you describe Claudia? And Claudia. I'll let you go first. Claudia, Claudia. My girl Claudia. Um, bright, brilliant, but insecure. It's just and but it's nothing that anyone has not felt, you know, at some mm-hmm. point in their life. And I mean, mm-hmm. all across the spectrum, black, white, you know, whatever, any race, any gender, I feel at some point in your life, you felt insecure, especially during those awkward teenage years, especially then. But even, in, you know, we have adults that are insecure with themselves, but um, she's the epitome of everyone else sees something great in you, but you don't see it in yourself. Mm. Um, bright. I mean, just bright, but scared, sheltered. So I was going to say sheltered for sure. Sheltered. Yeah. And with her being sheltered, that plays on her being so, um, just not aware you know, with her being so sheltered, she was not aware that those things could even be going on with her best friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. think about the times that she was actually, like, getting close to, like, unraveling the story. Mm-hmm. Like, she was so right. traumatized because she was just so unaware. Like, wait, hold, you know, because like, she that's had not even a, possible. She had such a picture-perfect life that she didn't even think that those things were even possible 
to be going yeah. on with somebody that was so close, you know, so close to her. And absolutely. How would you describe what we know about Monday? And Desiree, I'll let you go first. You mean like her personality or just like her whole situation? Um, what we what was um described to us, the picture that was painted about Monday. Oh, the, oh okay. Okay. Through, through Claudia. The picture, hmm, the picture that was painted through Claudia, it was it was kind of like like night night and day almost. Like they they were thick as thieves. They were the peanut butter to each other's jelly, but they were so different in a sense. Like Monday was this just self, like she was just so self-aware Monday. Like she was just so self-aware. Mm-hmm. She was a little bit more mature than Claudia. Um, the picture that I I had always painted in my mind when I was, thinking of her physically was like a child that was neglected and you could tell she was neglected like a child that would go to school and have clothes that were too big or not as clean or her hair was not nice and you know so that's like the picture that I painted of her but like I said she was so she was so assured of herself like it she wasn't scared to like be vocal. Mm-hmm. Claudia, on the other hand, it was like Monday was the voice for for like those mm-hmm. two were one, but Monday was the voice. That's a great way of putting it. That was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. Claudia's daddy says that go-go music is a part of their culture. What culture was he talking about? I would just go as far as to saying culture as in well first let me give this a lot of listeners may or may not know go-go music um is founded in dc where the book is set um but culture dc culture but also culture within the black community now go-go music has crossed all genres absolutely but if we break down go-go music it's just funk and 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 that is black culture it's the mm-hmm. drumming, the hit, and I'm sorry not to get technical again. My husband's band director, but <laughs> the, the, the drums, the beats that go-go music has, you know, is you know, let's trace it back to Africa. It's in our hips. It's in the way that we move, in the way that we, you know, when when we put words to the song, our cadence when we're, you know, when we're, you know, spitting it out, you know, singing rapping to whatever the case may be so that's what I think that he meant about it um again DC culture absolutely but let's dive a little deeper and just say culture um black culture just in general well we have a little bit of um go-go music that we can play here to give our listeners an idea of you know just to get a feel of what we're talking about here uh, this one is It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Go-Go Swing by Chuck Brown. It don't mean a thing if it don't got the go-go swing. You go, do We're going to do this one over, y'all. My special request, y'all. You got that go-go swing. We're going to do it for Sean and Vinny of Howard University. 
love that song because it just makes you want to bob your head and it really does give you just a a feel of um, an idea of where Claudia and Monday lived and um, their environment and just the vibe that was happening there. It it paints a picture in my head for sure. Um, All right. So I'm going to ask this one question and then we are going to take a break. Do you think that there is an undertone of racism in this story? Unequivocally. Okay. Angelica? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? You can finish your statement, Christine. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just going to say why or why not. So for you, this is a why. (laughs) I'm so sorry, (laughs) y'all. We are dealing with not only the theme of missing uh, black children um, not being taken seriously with you know authorities with in regards to the black community but also gentrification which we also know a lot majority is based on racism they may not explicitly say it but the redlining that started years back decades decades and decades ago that were absolutely um you know, had racist <laughs> undertones to it because we want to keep these people on this side of town. Now, today in 2023, you know, it's it's not explicitly for racist. It's just for, you know, economic development. So <laughs> gentrification, uh, let's see, um, abuse. And since they, you know, wanted to give us the little sexual nugget, <laughs> I guess we could say that. But yes, it, it does have some racial undertones. Desiree, did you want to add anything to that? No. Okay. She 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 hit it up. No. <laughs> she could have said it better. <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to continue our discussion on Monday's Not Coming, which is Tiffany D. Jackson's uh, band book. And she is a Black author, and it's part of our series on band books by Black authors. I'm Christina Michelle, and we'll be right back. They say I'm crazy The way you got me open, baby They say I'm bugging The way I'm time-sweating your loving They all sit and wonder why This feeling I cannot hide it ain't a question of pride. Oh, it's love. It's love. It's love. 
Welcome back to Culture Rich Conversations. I'm Christina Michelle, and I am joined by Angelica and Desiree. And we are continuing our conversation about the band book, Monday's Not Coming, a story about friendship, parenting, community, mental health, uh, child abuse, and more. So continuing this conversation, uh, from the beginning of the book, we know that Claudia is missing Monday because she didn't hear from her all summer. Her phone number was disconnected when she didn't show up on the first day um, of school or the first week of school. Um, Claudia really started to get concerned and she started asking a lot of questions of everybody that she knew and she wasn't getting a lot of answers. What do you think prevented the people in Claudia's life from uh, taking her seriously when she tried to raise the, the red flag about her missing friend? And Desiree, I'll let you go first. You look like you have something to say. <clears throat> Just so I understand the, the question, can, can you um, repeat it for me? Sure. Why, why, what do you think prevented the people in Claudia's life from taking her um, seriously when she kept asking about where her friend was? <sighs> I know it's a big question. Mm-hmm. So I was, it's, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking about this last night. Um, and I, I think it, I think it really had something to do with just the time, just the, the, the error that they were in that, you know, that, um, I forgot, I forgot like what year it was, it was based in, um, but I just really it doesn't really it had say. to do with you. I think it just kind of had to do with the dynamic of how people minded their business versus like right now. Like right now, this day and age, it, nobody's minding nobody's business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody minding the next person's business, which in, in some cases, that's great. Hats off. I, I, I love that. But then again, like I said, like back, okay, so I'm going to just use, I'm a, my mom is 60. I'm 31. My mom is 60, which means she was born, my mom was born um, 63, I believe. Um, I mean, back then, people minded their own business. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like people, people wasn't calling up um, CPS and all, you, you know what I'm saying? Like they wasn't, they wasn't doing that. And it, I, I, the reason why I feel this way is because of the, um, how Claudia's mom used to respond, you know, how, how she Absolutely. used to be like, no, I'm like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get in that. Like that's the, you know, that's their business and stuff. Like Claudia's mom was like, so serious on like not trying to get in, get in that family's business. I mean, I grew up, my my parents are five years apart. I grew up with my dad saying, "What goes on in this house stays in this house." There you go. That was the same. That's there the you go. And I just feel like black people are brainwashed to think this at a at an early age because I'm 31 and I can still vividly hear my daddy telling me this when I was a little kid. So we were sent out in this world being told, "Hey." It's not safe for us to go to school and tell Miss Sally what's going on in my house. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm so I really think that that has a lot to do with that. A lot. Yeah. 
Thank you, Desiree. Exactly. Angelica, did you want to add anything to that? I mean, she that was that was my answer. Um, Claudia's mom, as we know, was from Georgia. Her dad hailed from DC. Okay. Desiree is in Minnesota. She hails from Kansas. Uh, I mean, Missouri, I'm sorry. However, that line right there, what goes on in this house stays in this house. That, okay, we're talking about, we're, we're at four different parts of the country now. Georgia, D.C. <laughs> I'm here in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Desiree is there, oh, well, five. She's in Minnesota and from Missouri. That line right there does not matter. It has crossed generations. It has crossed the country. Mm. That's just one of those things that is a part of Black culture. So, number one, like you said, I mean, we minded our business. How to, unfortunately, to our detriment as well. That's right. And that is one of the other things that we as a people um, have to, you know, realize we were brainwashed because, you know what? If what goes on in this house is hurting me, I need to let somebody know. That's right. You know? And so now I do, uh, now we're not trusting as a people, you know, and, you know, of course, why wouldn't we? But there was a time where if you told what was going on, I mean, you know, people may show up to your house at night, you know, and you may not have somewhere to live or you may lose a family member if not your own life. So I get it. I, I absolutely get it. But I will also say they may not have been paid any attention as well, because I mean, hey. A lot of kids aren't listened to. Kids' feelings a lot of times aren't made to be relevant. Um, you know, stay in a child's place. That was another thing that occurred in Claudia's household. You know, her mom would constantly say, you know, constantly check her. Hey, hey, little girl, mm-hmm. you know, who you talking to? <laughs> you know, stay in a child's place. And so children, unfortunately, we have to validate our children's feelings. I mean, if you're hurt, you're hurt. If you're worried, you're worried. If you're scared, you're scared. And let's get to the bottom of it. Unfortunately, she wasn't hurt, but I think that also is a cultural thing as well that we have to kind of just unwind from, you know, break break the chains of. Well, earlier we heard the author say that she hates for readers to be spoon-fed lessons about needing mental health support. What can we learn from stepping into the shoes of the characters about how important taking care of your mental health is? We, we, we could take a lot. Take we could take a lot from it. Um, Claudia, she it's 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 weird though because I really wanted to go back and read the book again, but like the 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 book rocked me to the core the first time, so mm-hmm. I just can't even see I can't mm-hmm. even see myself picking this book back up to even reread it. Seriously, but I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what happened with Claudia, the traumatic right. things that she went through trying to find her friend. Like, she started to go through things mentally. Like, her, you know what I'm saying? Like, she really went through something. And I think had her parents, especially her mom, had her mom really took it seriously and got that girl some help, she would have been able to cope with what what she, what her friend was going through and what she was going through as well. But since, the, since 
mental health and going to get help and going to talk to somebody is so kept under wraps in the black community. It was more so just, oh, it, oh, it'll be okay. And oh, like they were, they were sugarcoating stuff to Claudia and a lot of black people sugarcoat things in the family and want to pacify things instead of talking about how traumatic this could be for your for your growth mentally, emotionally, like Claudia was such a young girl. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking like this is like a real true, true scenario, but these are real true scenarios that, that right. happen in, in life. That happen I every mean, day. Mom, okay, so my mom's a foster parent. She does foster care. She's done foster care for years. She has a case right now and it, it breaks my heart. To, to, to see the things that this little girl is going through at eight years old. And I'm just like, hey, she needs to talk to somebody. Because if she doesn't, this is going to affect her growth mentally, emotionally. And when and when things like that happen to you as a young kid, it's hard for you to navigate relationships and connections and friendships, you know? So I just think people need to be more aware of kids and mental health because they're we 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 were all kids once you know like we remember what it was like to have our feelings shut down and mm-hmm. now we're in our young little head thinking wait am I wrong for feeling this way like I have two young boys I tell them all the time cry absolutely cry, <laughs> cry. let's Please talk cry. about it do whatever you need to I would never tell my kids you're acting like a girl boys don't cry, things like that, because that is detrimental to their growth. Yeah. Absolutely. And I only want to add one snippet. One snippet. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Christina, did you tell me your listeners, the percentage is what, 95% Caucasian? Uh, Your listeners for the show? They're the... Population of Juno is has a the high population. Rather, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. And so, to those list listeners that you know, we of course we have the you know black and people color color, but also I want other um, races you know to understand that that is something deep seated within our community. So I'm not just you know getting on to us as a people, black people. We need to change. We need to do this. We need to do that. We know that, but also please understand other races, why there is a hesitancy within our community for mental health, because, you know, whereas you have the freedom to express yourselves, what's going on with you, ours, even in 2023, is turned against us. There have been many cases where, you know, people have gone to, Black people have gone to therapy, and all of a sudden, you know, they're in danger. To, you know themselves or others mm-hmm. or whatever okay or not only that we express ourselves we can't be frustrated at the same level as you guys can we can't be mad at the same level as you guys can I personally and I would talk to anybody about anything but if I go to work and I'm not smiling oh something is wrong with you oh you're mad no can I just not smile. Can I have that freedom? You know, so please understand why there is a hesitancy um, there because, you know, if we express ourselves again, you know, it can be turned on us at any minute. And then my black people, please. And that was the thing 
um, in the book, um, again, not to spoil, not to spoil too much, but they were a church going family. And so I'm going to say this, black people, you can still love Jesus and go to therapy. It's okay. He will want you, he will want you to get help. You know, we, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. You can love Jesus and go get you some help. Amen to that. Well, later in the book, a question is posed. Who's really responsible for your well-being, your family, the government or your community? Who do you think was supposed to be looking out for Monday? And Desiree, I'll let you start. (laughs) Girl, I've been trying to think about this since we talked about it last night. I didn't dream about it and everything. And I... I feel like I still have not come up with an answer. I just, I mean, let, okay, we we going to start with the obvious. Of course, the mama was responsible. I mean, you're the mom, that's right. your child. So we going we gonna to state the obvious. And we know her the mental health The mama was responsible was, uh, from this child. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you're a parent, you birthed this child technically, and by law, you're responsible for this child. So we're just going to say the obvious, the mom. But since we already, since the readers know what type of mom and what type of household she was running, she wasn't even responsible for herself. So then it, then, then that starts to trickle down with what we talked about last night. Um, Educators, educators are mandated reporters. Okay, even social workers, foster parents, any any line of work like that, you're a mandated reporter. So with that being said, I feel like educators, I mean, educators already have enough to deal with. So I'm not even going to just say like, oh, educators need to be more aware or whatever. But what I will say is the educators that take those those troublesome kids that's having those those problems at home. When they take them under their wing, like I can't think of the teacher in the book, but the teacher that was close to Monday that would, you know, would have Monday come to her class and eat lunch and help her with her hair and send her to the bathroom with with toiletries to, to wash herself up and all of that. I mean, if I if I'm not mistaken, I do believe that that teacher did make reports to the school. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, am, am I, am I you're right? right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I'm glad, but that doesn't happen all the time. You know, it doesn't happen all the time where those teachers know, kind of know what's going on at home and they're not really saying nothing, you know? So I think a village, uh, that's my answer. A village was, was responsible for, for Monday should have been looking out for Monday because it takes a village to raise a kid. And when the parent is lacking, then it trickles down to the child, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have it tiered. I said her family, first and foremost, mm. community, and then the government. That's That was, that was my thing. Um, and again, just because that goes back to the old, old school way. Um, you know, when you would get in trouble, you would get in trouble by the whole entire neighborhood, then come home and get in trouble by your parents. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just kind of, I kind of wish that other people, it was too many people that, again, I'm not, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it was too many people that spoke up and, you know, had something to say, oh, I'm a witness, but you didn't say anything when it was important. So, right. you know. Yeah. And yeah. Monday she talked to every, I'm sorry, Claudia talked to everybody about, 
her missing friend Monday. And I was really excited when she finally found that one teacher who said, she's still not in school. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it was. I'm not gonna lie, it was a big sigh. Like, oh, finally! Yeah, yeah. she finally <laughs> got somebody's attention. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, I'm Christina Michelle, and I'm here with Desiree and with Angelica, and we're discussing Monday's Not Coming, which is a banned book by Black author Tiffany D. Jackson. Um, We're coming up on the end of our time together, which I can't believe it's gone by so fast. There's still so much to say about this. But before we wrap up, I would love to know what impact did Monday's Not Coming have on your life personally? And Angelica, I'll let you I'll let you start. Just being hyper aware. um, Hyper aware. Please pay attention to the signs. Um, One of the questions and I'm just going to tie it in. One of the questions you said, what was, you know, the most powerful quote? And I was going to say breadcrumbs. And I mean that as in, please, 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 you guys. I mean, we were raised that way, but, you know, that's one rule for the next generations that we don't need to lose. Please breadcrumbs. Let somebody know where you are at all times. And not only that, please pay attention to your surroundings. You know, it's okay to see something, say something. You know, um, don't worry about, you know, oh, you're snitching this and, and, you know. So it just made me hyper, I mean, I'm already aware I'm I'm black and I'm a woman. You know, I'm always constantly having to, you know, just kind of be on edge, taking in everything. But you know, it hits close to home. And this is something that, um, I mean, happens on a daily, on a daily basis. And, and, you know, it just, it kind of hurts to be honest with you and just, you know, wanted to just do better. So I would say that was the impact that that book left with me. This, This was definitely a book that will sit with me for the rest of my life. Definitely. Can you say more about the breadcrumbs? Um, and, and the, the significance book, of it in the book? In the book, um, Claudia's mom would always say, you know, leave breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. Claudia. Um, she hated it. She was aggravated because she felt she was too old. And what her mom meant by that was, you know, after school, Claudia had to check in with someone um, before she went home by herself, you know. And so that way, and the lady would let her mom know, hey, Claudia, made it in and if Monday was you know Claudia and Monday they made it in from school they're you know they're at home and it was aggravating at the time you know and she complained about it however it that <clears throat> that statement breadcrumbs became just as loaded as the title mm. you know when we see as as the plot began to unravel and so that breadcrumbs breadcrumbs is you know letting someone see you letting someone know hey I'm here. So if anything ever occurs, you know, it's you're able to trace back, you know, last person talked to last location. And that is something that is needed, needed, needed. And I'm not even going to say, you know, oh, you know, black girls need to do that. I mean, people in, in general, that's, you know, especially with our children um, need to. But that is a powerful, loaded, loaded statement. And breadcrumbs needs, <laughs> even in our adult lives, it's it's important. Thank you, Angelica. 
Desiree? <laughs> you have to unmute. <laughs> Girl, I don't know what was just going on with my phone. I was trying to regulate kids in the background. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> what impact did Monday's not coming have on your life personally? Oh, mm. well, like I already kind of gave y'all a little background. Um, my mom, she's a volunteer social worker. She went to school for human resources and she's also been a foster parent for over 30 years. So um, this, I mean, this book just really only, you know, validated what, what, what really, you know, what I really see in, in everyday life when my mom goes through these, you know, th goes through these cases um, these are real situations that happen every single day. I mean, it happens to all, all colors, but like when it happens to our people is, it's always just kept under wraps or when we go missing or when we got things going on at home, like it's, it's very hush hush. And, you know, so it really just validated, like I said, what I already see in real life every day with these children that are neglected and don't have a voice and don't have people to advocate for them. Well, thank and you. And it's okay so to much. advocate for somebody else as well, Absolutely. even if they're not. And yours. I think it's, that's what Claudia okay. was. And I think that's what Claudia was. Like, even though I said that those two as a unit made one and Monday was the voice. Claudia was the advocator, though, mm. you know, like Monday was the one that was, you know, like I said, she was sure of herself and Claudia was real shy and reserved and everything like that. But then when her friend went missing, she had to really dig deep, like, hey, like I'm not giving up from, you know, like my friend was, you know, she really started to tap into her friend's personality traits that that. Mm that she started to fall in love with. Oh, that's you know a great what I'm saying? Point. Like Claudia was in love with certain personality traits of Monday. And when Monday went missing and, and there was that void that needed to be filled, Claudia started to tap in like, no, Monday taught me to be strong and advocate for myself. And, you know, so with her learning how to advocate for herself, she was also advocating for her friend as well. Yeah. Well... I appreciate both of you so much for being here today and for all of the passion that you have about this book and about this topic. You both have brought so much to the conversation and I have really, really enjoyed it. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope that you'll join us again for another book, um, another banned book by Black Authors Conversation. <laughs> If you oh, suspect a child or young adult you know is being abused, it's all of our responsibility to speak up. You can reach Juno's Office of Children's Services at 907-465-1650. You can also reach the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678. I'm Christina Michelle, and we'll be right back with Today in Black History. Right, well, everything, they, it was cooking, you know, all this hot all music this hot in the street, all this hot all new hot music. music.
Today in Black History, we celebrate the birthday and accomplishments of Shirley Chisholm, the first Black congresswoman in 1968, representing the state of New York in the U.S. House of Representatives. Chisholm used her role in Congress to help found the original Black Caucus in 1969 and made history again in 1972 when she became the first major party African-American candidate to make a bid for the U.S. presidency when she ran for the Democratic nomination. She died on January 1st, 2005 at the age of 80, but her legacy is forever etched in American history. We appreciate you for listening today, and we look forward to hearing your feedback. Our email address is junobaa at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching BAA Juno. Today's show was produced by yours truly. And until next week, may your life be blessed and flow with ease. I'm Christina Michelle, and this has been Culture Rich Conversations. Culture Rich Conversations is underwritten by Mark Stofa and Sarah Hannon. Celebrating Juno's diversity of culture, language, and heritage. You're listening to Culture Rich. Culture Rich.